This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the brand new number one best-selling Amazon blockbusting book, The Seeds of Deconstruction. One Troublemaker's Journey from Religious Certainty to Liberating Doubt by brand new author, Nat Turney, also the co-host of This Is Not Church, the podcast. If you are deconstructing, if you have deconstructed, if you're thinking about deconstructing or you're just wondering what the hell is deconstruction anyway, pick up this book and find out. It's all the rage. All the kids are doing it. It's great. Check it out wherever fine books are sold. Buy a copy for yourself. Buy one for your friends. Maybe take it to your Bible study and really piss some folks off. Peace out. Love y'all. Thanks. Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical. With your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite show, Apostates Anonymous. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew J. DiStefano, author of the forthcoming Mimetic Theory and Middle Earth. I just got the cover and mwah, chef's kiss. Shout out to Raphael for again um, being like literally the goat. And uh, I'm I'm joined by Keith. Say hi. Hey, everybody. I'm Keith, your other uh, co-host of this amazing podcast. I'm the... Um, Keith Giles, what the am other I? white meat. The other white meat, yes. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I, I, uh, quickly, I guess I'm um, I'm the author of Second Cup with Keith. If you like the podcast, you'll love the book, available out now. And then I have a book coming up uh, early next year called The Quantum Sayings of Jesus, Decoding the Lost Gospel of Thomas. And uh, I'm excited about that next year. And I, you know, th- we're going to be talking about, I guess, this past year and, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, kind of a recap of... This year, which is almost over as we're recording this, and I guess a little we'll spend a little time at the end, maybe talking about the future, what what's coming in, in uh, the new year. Yeah, yeah. But before we do that, of course, as we always, have, as always, we have a brand new sponsor for you people today. You lovely people. I shouldn't say you people. That's probably not so good. Um, you. <laughs> what do you mean, people. you people? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? That's what, that's a that's a great line though. From that I movie. love it. That is a, that is a great line. I, actually, I love um, that movie. I really do. What about that? What about him dressing in blackface in the whole movie? What are, I know, and, and he did get canceled for that. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a conversation. No one for ever time. talks about that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, but we do have an advertiser today. It has nothing to do with uh, what was it? Tropic Thunder. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it actually has more to do with last week's exciting episode. Do you find yourself confused about your sexuality, struggling with sexual attraction to both men and women? Notice yourself carrying around three different drinks for no damn good reason. Well, you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Blossom, former San Jose Sharks media personality, and I was once like you. Confused. My head a jumbled mess of conflicting attractions, always curious as to why it was necessary to have a variety of drink options at my fingertips. Then I found out I was bisexual. Now, here I am over 20 years later, and I've got a never-before-seen technology that lets you know if you're bi, too. No more struggle, no more confusion, no more wondering why you've been taking it in both ends for all these years. Now you can know. For only $99 plus shipping and handling, we'll send you a customized kit that will determine if bisexuality is right for you. It's as easy as producing a small testicular sample, wiping it on the patented test strip, and sending it back to us. What you do with the rest of the sample is up to you. And within six to eight weeks, we'll notify you of the results and you'll finally have answers. Head on over to isbisexualityrightforme.com today and use the promo code BOTHENDS to save 15% off your order. That's BOTHENDS to save 15%. Bisexuality. Everyone's doing it. (laughs) There you go. I love the... uh... The expert is from the San Jose Sharks. Uh, yeah, Bob Blossom. Bob Blossom. Bob, no, no relation to John Root. Bob Blossom. Bob Blossom. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Hey, so um, that's a thing, though. Bisexual people always have three drinks with them. And I realize that's me. I, I, I will have like a I, I was going to ask you, what the fuck is that? Because I've okay, never so even no, heard of fuck, this. 
Well, because you're not bi, brother, but okay. I'm going to learn you up something from the, please, uh, please the LGBT, educate me. whatever the letters are. Um, yeah, no, I can't remember them. They're so difficult. I can't remember them, but John will remind me. Um, I got my water always with me, and then I'll have like a coconut water and then like coffee with me or something. Is it's that, just a bi. It's, it's, a, it's a real thing. And then once I found out it was a thing, I realized. Really? Really? No, it's a, it's a bi thing. It's like, a, yeah. And, and I didn't realize I did it until I found out it was a bi thing. And then I realized, oh, holy fuck. Like I always have three drinks. Okay, Not always, but I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a very common thing where I'll have like my cup of coffee, my water is always with me. And then I, I love like, I'll have like a smoothie or a juice, something like that sitting around oh. the house at all times. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, listeners, if you, if you, uh, if you've done that little test, maybe you need to, uh, if you have three to- drinks with you all the time, you're definitely by. There you go. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. So. Well, that's a, that's news to me. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was news to me as well. And then it made sense and it all clicked. That's how I actually found out. It wasn't, it wasn't the both ends. <laughs> yeah. It was the- no, no. Yeah. You just saw this thing about the three drinks. Like, oh my gosh, I must be by. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Well, I guess I like men. Sorry, honey. <laughs> I had three drinks and I got called on it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I hope we don't get sued. <sighs> well, no, by who? The sharks? <laughs> I'm sure they would find the humor in it. Yeah. Oh, no. So, okay. So, we're doing a, uh, this is our big recap end of year episode end, for end year the year special. that was. Yeah. 2023. Okay. So, while well, you mentioned the good, the bad, and the ugly, let's start. Should we start with the ugly, the bad, or the good? Should we end on it? Well, no, our end will be on 2024, which is always hopeful. Hopefully. That's right. Yeah, we got to end on the good. Okay. Right. So, let's say, what was good about 2023 then? Let's start with what's good about 2023, and then we'll do the bad and the ugly, and then we'll do what we're looking forward to. Well, I mean, okay. So the good, uh, and what we have to say, one of the good things was uh, you and I started a business together. Um, yeah, we continued Choir. the legacy, the legacy of Raphael. That's right. Continued. Um, the story went on and Choir 2.0. And I think it's been great. I mean, I look back at the the authors that we published, the books that we published, uh, the projects we've been a part of. Um, really great. I mean, we launched the choir classics. We put, we extended and expanded the, um, sort of choir cast podcast network, um, published some fantastic books. I mean, we can't even name all of them, but highlights for me would be, uh, Heather Hamilton, Roger Woolsey, uh, Matt Downey, um, gosh, Kevin Sweeney, Aaron Simnowitz, so many, there were so many great, great books. Uh, great artists, you know, that came out. Um, the Kevin Smith poetry art book, which was a new, a new thing for us. Kevin that Max. was really cool. Kevin Max. Sorry. Two. Both Kevin Ke- Smith and Kevin Max. Well, his his name was Kevin Smith. Now it's Kevin Max. Oh, oh, um, oh did you, you not know you that? Deep, no, deep dive. Okay, deep dive. No. Yes. I, Kevin I, Max. I was I was not a Christian music fan, so I never got. I never. Yeah, um, that was cool too because like that book had it was it was poetry. And paintings and music, because if you bought the book, there's actually a, a QR yeah. code. We can download like six yeah. songs recorded just for that project. So like we're in the music business now. It's great. We're savvy as fuck, man, putting QR codes and books and shit. Yeah. But I mean, you and I also put out books, right? So so the Dales came did, out for me. Um, you, you put did, out like eight, eight books this year? No, Nine? I did not. I only that? did two. I did Sola Deos and I did Second Cup with Keith. You only did two. That's I think that's. Plenty. I try to do one a year. I did the Wisdom of Hobbits. You did um, bonfire sessions and the bonfire sessions. That was because I, mean, I wrote the forward, and that forward was awesome. It was really, really good. I loved um, it. I, I, you just gushed on how great and I did. I did. I kind of and I, needed the book was and how, how necessary a book like this is for, <laughs> for all of humanity. Yes, and not enough people are reading it, which is why we're in the shitter right now. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. What was good for me? I'm really happy of how, uh, well, I became an award-winning author, which I That's think right. is cool. Yes. Congrats. In, in, philo- in philosophy, which mm-hmm. is, um, um, I don't know what that means, except that I get to say it if I want to, but you know, I'm not like walk, I don't, I'm not getting myself a t-shirt or something. Um, uh, but it's really cool to be able to contribute something to something I care about Yeah. deeply and then have, you know, recognition about it. And I think, you know, no, that was huge. Good, good, good ratings on Amazon. The Tolkien Society gave me a good review. Yeah, um, 
And now I have the uh, the colloquium on violence. No, on, but yeah, on violence and religion wants to review mimetic theory in Middle Earth, which is really cool, and do a write up in their newsletter or whatever. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, that is very very cool. Yeah, super super cool. So those have been my personal highlights, and yeah, running choir for a whole year, yeah. and um, ending each month in the black is really good. So that's amazing. Uh, which, yeah. by the way, for for just for reference, right? Um, for the longest time, Raphael's goal was to make sure choir lost money. So the fact that in the first year we were able to actually put us in the black, um, yeah. that that was good. Ralph was, you know, he's this was a hobby for him in a way. Right. He wasn't trying to make project, money. A passion yeah, that, project. That's, that's right. So he wasn't trying to make money. So he was just yeah. trying to like break even. And yeah. um, but so we took over a company that really up for like six, seven years was breaking even. And uh, in in pretty quickly in a few months, right? We were positive. We were making money, and yeah, it was really good. So, you know, to our shareholders, yes, all the shareholders, you shareholders. Guys, you, guys, <laughs> you guys can stay happy. Um, yeah, yeah. So maybe I, we look, maybe we'll keep doing this. Except maybe you, we'll and, keep you and I are shareholders, fifty yes. percent each. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll keep doing this. We'll give it another year. At least, at least another year. Let's try it. What else am I going to do? Exactly. I'm so sick of social work. That's a bad. Okay, so can we move on to the, the good? Okay, the now here you go. Transition. Okay. The bad is I I I I hate working for people. Uh -huh. I really I'm not built I'm not built to do that. Maybe none of us are. I have no idea. No, some of us are. No, some people. I, yeah, some people get off on that. Um. I I don't want to say I'm not built to it, but at this point in my life, I don't I don't like it. So you've, but you've done it a long time. How long have you done it? Ah, uh, since I was 16. Are you kidding? So, working for other people. Oh, you mean just in general working for other people? Oh, okay. Oh, but I mean, social work I've done since, um, well, when I graduated, I graduated when I was 21 and then I started working at the juvenile hall. So since wow. 21, so 20 years I've been doing social 20. work. 20. Yeah, dude. See, part of it is just how long you've done it, right? So the longest I ever worked anywhere was 10 years um, when I worked for Ingram Micro. <clears throat> I was doing, you know, in-house uh, copywriter for their you know, in-house creative marketing agency. And, that you know, it's just the fact that I did it for 10 years. I mean, I enjoyed it off and on. You know, there were, there were a lot of things about it that were great. But, you know, after a while, dude, it just 10 years, day in and day out, doing the same job. It just gets monotonous. It's hard to do that. So yeah. Well, mine have been different jobs, but it's all been in social services, and it's all like, I don't know. I'm just cynical at this point about social services. So. Well, I will say, yeah, having so for me the last what four years, I guess four years. I guess it's right four years. Um, I've been sort of self-employed, and um, and and it has its own challenges. But I prefer working for myself to having to get up early in the morning, you know, get dressed, drive across town, go to an office, work for a boss, spend eight hours a day doing what they tell me to do, and then only having, you know, after work or weekends to do the things that I want to do. It's great to be able to basically just work for myself and, and for the most part, do the things that I want to do and that I like to do. I do some freelance on the side, but again, it's, it's small enough and infrequent enough that uh doesn't you know it doesn't feel like well that that's fine what i'm talking about like i'm just like what happened to me is i um i've been with the company for almost three years and then they get like new leadership they get new hr yes. and they get hr management and then they come in and they start taking away everything that you got yeah and 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 they and they default to oh it's the good the good of the company like it hinges on your your nominal stipend or your benefits for part-time employees or yeah. um like they're they're taking away at five years. You're, you you used to get three weeks of vacation. They're going to extend that. You have to get you have to wait ten years until you get three weeks of vacation from two. And it's like that's really going to save the company. Then they give you that corporate line, which is you know always just it's just corporate bullshit. And it just they just uh, a lot of them just just lie to their employees. They they're not pro employee. Like when you don't give your employees as much as Amazon gives. You're on the wrong end of, <laughs> right. of being pro worker in, yeah. in America. Like Amazon even gives their employees benefits at this point, part time employees benefits. Yeah. And Amazon sucks for workers from what oh, I know. Historically, historically. Son, maybe they're going to get better because of all the pressure. 
Yeah, my but oldest son worked for them for a while, fix. and yeah, he, he had nothing good to say about working with Amazon. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just saw a meme. Well, no, it wasn't a meme. It was actually a, a, like a news, I think it was a video clip uh, on Instagram. There was some CEO talking about how, kind of complaining, like, workers these days, you know, like kids these days, they just don't yeah. seem to really care about providing value for shareholders. For the shareholders. Like, dude, out of here. what I'm is wrong? What? And you can't understand that? Do you understand that if, yeah. if it, look, unless you can tie creating value to shareholders for creating value for myself and my family, then no, I'm not going to care. Why would I care? I don't I mean, know how they can be so out of touch though. And I mean, there, we have all the data, like the companies, like, like the companies that do really well, a lot of them are like, or they'll be like employee owned. Yes. Or yes. they'll be like Costco where they, they are very, they make profits all the time in spite of the fact that they give their workers a lot more right. than, than others in their industry. And when the workers share in the profits, then that makes sense, right? Okay. Now, now of course I'm excited when the company you know has a quarterly report and we grew 20% and we made more money. Yay. Because that means I also will make more money. But if it just means like, so when I worked again for Ingram Micro, um, again, they're a large, they're, they're a global multi-billion dollar fortune 50 company um, that is, they distribute all the technology basically in, in the world. And, um, and so, you know, they would do their quarterly reports, right? And the, the CEO would give us these reports and like, we grew 30% and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and they act like we're supposed to care. Like, I don't care. So you sold <laughs> right. more widgets like it doesn't translate unless it translates yeah. to and now everybody's getting right. a kick-ass christmas bonus okay yeah. or a raise okay we're going right. to get a huge raise all right great but if it doesn't translate to those two things why would i care why, why am i yeah. getting excited about okay yeah, good for the company but there's still we're still in a system and this is the this is the bad of 2023 uh for those just tuning in <laughs> <laughs> Is that we're in a system still where it's like they don't get it. Like it's like they're so out of touch. Some of them are so out of touch with yeah. the normal person that they don't understand. Like it has to directly correlate to your your life for you to care about what the business is doing. You could do X, Y, and Z and it can all be great for business. But if at yeah. the end of the day you walk home with less than you than before or something, or they're taking away something, they're not doing this or there, I mean, companies will get a, get get away with all sorts of shit to try to try to just save a penny because the number one expense is workers, right? And so you're always yeah. kind of pitted. You're pitted against profits. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah. so that you is, just got to run a company like us where we don't have any employees. There you go. Well, other than ourselves, right? <laughs> exactly, and then you independently contract and pay them fair. No, I'd love to have. I'd love to be to a size where we can actually have employees. I mean, we're just we're oh, not of course, that, we're not that size. But what and in what we do, we try to do it opposite of you know all the shittiness. So that's something we can look forward to next year is continuing to hopefully treat our authors really well. And yeah, and again, yeah, exactly. And that that is the thing I love is that we would we've been able to um, make choir profitable while still giving. Um, the, you know, it's still by authors and for authors. So our authors are still getting the lion's share of all the royalties. Um, they're doing better, right? Overall, authors are doing more. Um, well, if, yeah, if you better. look at each individual book sold, we do give 60% of our That's right. Yep. Of our royalties to authors. And I'm still really proud of what we did and um, of the books mm -hmm. we put out. So Definitely. yeah, kudos to everybody. So that's, that's my bad on, on personally what sucks about yeah. I don't know. I guess, you yeah. Know, so <clears throat> personally, I guess my, my bad this year, um, <clears throat> and I don't want this to be a downer, so we'll, we'll spend a lot of time on this, but, um, personally it was really hard because like Wendy's, my wife, Wendy, um, her mom died, uh, December 31st last year. Hmm. So right at, right at new year's. Right. And then, um, and then her, uh, her dad died like six months later. So it, it, for her, you know, for our family, it was like a one-two punch, right? Um, yeah. Losing kind of both of them within six months of each other. So that yeah. was really, really painful. That was hard um, emotionally. And, um, but we're doing better now. So that's good. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's I think as far as the bad goes, that's most of the bad. I mean, there's other stuff, but probably not stuff we want to talk about on the podcast. But you and I know about some things that were bad. Um, <laughs> oh, you have to remind me. Oh, I, I, I'll, I'll talk. I'll, we'll, we'll talk offline. Okay. Um, but uh, all right, so that's it. That's I think that's the bad. So the ugly, the ugly is the ugly is the politics, man. Oh, the ugly is the fucking the day to day, man. There's so much. It's it's. It's going to be, there's not, there's not like, um, you know, when you, when you, when you see, you can foresee something, there's not like an easy way out of this one. No, <laughs> there's not like a, there's not a fix where I think we're to the point where it's like, we're going to go through some shit and not even like, like this country is fucking going to go through some shit. That's what I'm there's afraid more. of. Yeah. There's yeah. a, um, so I'm going to talk about, well, so there's a, there's a, uh, a film director I really love. His name is Alex Garland. He, he directed Ex Machina and Annihilation. And there's a show called Devs on Hulu. He also did that was really great. Uh, so I like his work a lot. He's really good. And he has a new movie coming out next year called Civil War. And oh, the trailer, the trailer is horrific. It's terrifying. I don't think I've ever watched a trailer that, made me breathless. It was like, it was seriously like, this is horrifying. And the reason it's so scary is that it looks like it could happen tomorrow. Like I totally believe that we could, and maybe it will happen in the next year or two. Like I, I agree with you. I, I think things politically are so bad that there are people, I, I think maybe even on both sides that are committed to like, we're ready to fight. You know, we're, we feel like there's no other way out of this then there needs to be some kind of a civil war. Um, and I hear people kind of talking about that and, you know, well, people uh, have been certainly... talking about it. That's what, yeah, they talk about, I mean, some of it is definitely sensationalist. I think about of like course. a civil yeah, war. What is it? What is it? What are you going to get your band of buddies and go through the streets? I mean, like, well, there's some people that are ready for that. They've been ready for that for decades, right? The whole is militia shit. And I have friends that are, yeah. I have one guy I know that was in a militia and was so into it, man. He was like deep, deep into this militia stuff, and are and they, they're, they're all they built like, on that stuff, right? But are, what are they eating every day? What are they doing? Push-ups? What's their cardio like? Like they're going to get out there for what a week and be like, "Fuck this shit." Well, I of mean, course, no. They're they're completely deluded. I mean, they they, they yeah, they think that they could take on the United States military. Yeah, I think that's what's but I, that's why I, I wonder, like, if, when people talk about it. Oh, this country's going to a civil war. Like, what does that mean? What does it look like? Just it's a fantasy, right? Like, it's totally a fantasy. I don't. I mean, I, th I, th I think there's. It would be over pretty quick. I think. Well, if it's that way, but I think like I think people will try to maybe like overthrow state capitals, and I think I I was surprised well, they already have right. We we've well, seen people trying that stuff. No, I know, but I thought there'd be more of it already. Yeah, I think, I think I think there's there more coming. Will be eventually. I hate to doom and gloom, I but I I feel like uh, um, I mean I don't want to say it's going to happen, but I feel like I would be surprised if it didn't. It just feels like that's that's the level you know the DefCon level four uh, that we're at at least in some places around the country. And yeah, but when you think of a civil like you think of multiple factions or sides, like there's what is there's not that though. What are these little militia groups? They're gonna well. Like, so, what, what I mean, I think what we're talking about basically then is like homegrown terrorism, right? Which we've yeah, seen. That's more like which that. We've that's, also experienced, yeah. right? Um, one or two guys going in with shotguns or guns and shooting up places, I'm blowing sure. up buildings. You know. Yeah, I but I, th but I think that's a more correct term than civil war. I think it's more it's, of like you're going to see more terrorism. Yeah, probably a lot of white nationalists. Terrorism. White nationalists, yes, white nationalist Christians. So it's going to be really. Let's get down to it. These are. Christian terrorists. These are Christian nationalists that are going to be, that believe that they, I mean, it's very similar to like, you know, when these sort of extremists, you know, um, Muslims, right. That they, they declare jihad. And again, they're not true Muslims, but they're people that are, that are, that have radicalized and weaponized their theology, their religion to the point where they're justifying this violence in the name of their religion, even though their religion teaches the opposite of this. Right. And it's the same for Christianity as well. So we're going to see. Uh, we, we've already seen it. I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're wrong about this. Uh, but I think we might see more of that. Well, it's been nice knowing you. Yeah. <laughs>
Oh man. So what what country would you move to? Canada? Probably the oh, easiest. Well, if I could move anywhere, I would move to New Zealand, but I'm too old for that. They they there's a cutoff at like I think 55 or something. So I'm too old to 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 uh sort of like go through the whole cuz you have don't you have to have money too or some sort of Oh like yeah. Either a job or some sort of You have to prove you can contribute to their economy in the, in a yeah. meaningful way cuz they don't want yeah. you to come over there and be a burden. Um <clears throat> I mean I really don't know. Um, I've, I haven't thought about it that deep, but I have definitely thought to myself that if Donald Trump wins uh, by some miracle, wins some reelection, um, I don't want to live in this country if he is is in power. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I live on the border. Here's the thing. In El Paso, I could be in Mexico in you know 45 minutes. So if I need to, I'll run to Mexico. Viva la Mexico. Yeah. They're so, bringing drugs. They're bringing guns. Some of them are good people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of them, you know. Some of, them some are of the good people. Some of the illegal, uh, you know, uh, res- residents that are like working at his uh, Mar-a-Lago and people like that. Did you see that clip that Tim Whitaker put on TikTok and Instagram? Probably Instagram. Oh, I, 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 he, I see went, all of his stuff, yeah. Oh, yes, him. about the F. They're screaming F her, F her. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't see that. But he went to oh. Turning Point, Point USA. Uh, well, they, he was at Turning Point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is conservative, like Charlie Kirk, maybe? Yes. Yeah. Is that her? Um, I think so. Who were who they screaming that about? Um, they weren't saying Oh, Nikki F, Haley. Nikki Haley. They were saying so talk, though, right? Steve Bannon. Yeah, Steve Bannon was giving a speech, and he mentioned Nikki Haley's yeah. name. And then someone in the audience screams, you know, fuck her. And then the whole audience for like, you know, 10 minutes starts chanting, fuck her, fuck her. And he just steps back from the microphone. He's smiling. The whole crowd, they're just chanting. And then then Tim says, right immediately after that, they brought a worship band out and they, they, yeah. they sing worship songs. And it was like, That's what, what was, is yeah. going on? They were, they were call, he was calling someone a Lucifer and demon and devil. Yes. And then they were singing worship. And now let's, now let's worship. See, it's just like it's just like that clip that you did, right? Of um, Mark Driscoll, he does this whole thing about I can't wait to see Jesus. He's going to show up. He's going to murder all these people. Yay! Woo! Let's worship. What? What is wrong with you, dude? Like it's yeah. so twisted. I actually sent that to my mom because um, he'll just you know, breathe. He'll just breathe. He'll just breathe. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Because um, you know. I've been criticized about how harsh I am toward Christianity for a long time. But I think back at like to 2015 when I started writing and all that, 2014. And I was like worried about this is the kind of shit that it's gotten into where, I mean, like you warned in your first book, like yeah. if you, if you, if you become bedfellows in this way, yeah, it's going to be fucking nasty. And, yep. and it has gotten to where you're like, you're watching. How did they do it in Germany? How did they just, dude? Like you're screen, you're calling people devils and demons and poisoning the blood of America. Yeah, which are and then you're turning around yeah. and let's bring on the worship and praise band. Yeah, and you're singing fucking Hillsong songs and fucking. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like holy fucking. How the fuck? Yeah. Do you not? How the fuck? <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. It's like you're more it, mad it, that I said fuck three times in a row than this whole fuck than this nationalist white pride nationalist demon like antichrist, literally yeah. antichrist. Yeah, yeah, dude. You know, it, and you don't care. Unreal, unreal to me. Um, just to see it, and then the people. Ah, uh, yeah. The people that that think. That there's nothing wrong with this, right? They do not see. There's no red flag going off for anybody. There's no one's, so many uh, of them. Yeah, you Trump's know, and, polls are higher, higher at this point of recording this than it's they've ever been. Yeah, and this again, stuff is like it, it's it's becoming. I don't I don't know more popular. Who who at this point more popular? It's swaying people. I I don't know what fucking universe i live in it's so like here's one of the also, weirder ones yeah here's also what's really bizarre and i really just like again to scratch your head and say i don't understand this so um colorado god bless them so there's their supreme court state supreme court in colorado um found that because of the 14th amendment and again we're supposed to be all about these amendments everybody loves the first and the second amendment 
The 14th Amendment, which says that anyone that participates in an insurrection against this country cannot hold office. So upholding the Constitution, which again, conservative Christians say they believe almost like that God himself dictated the Constitution and dropped it out of heaven. After, after he got that right in the Bible. That's right. Then he, then he wrote the, the Constitution. Too. So it's you know, we, we care about the Constitution so much. So when they enforce the Constitution and they say because of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, Donald Trump cannot be on the ballot and hold uh, cannot you know be returned to office again. So all the candidates, all the Republican candidates who are running against Donald Trump, who are all losing to Donald Trump, right? Mm-hmm. They all publicly have said this is wrong, and right. and it's a bad thing. Like, wait a minute, do you understand? You're competing against this guy, right? It, it they have this is what's wild. It's <laughs> you the want same exact, back on the ballot. It's the same exact hermeneutic as the Bible. Because yeah. when when it comes to plain truths, quote unquote, in the sure. Bible, when you turn it back on them, it gets really nuanced. Yes, like sell all your stuff and give it the money to the poor. Yeah. Uh well. Uh well. Yeah. <laughs> when oh, it comes to two dudes yeah. having sex, it gets real clear all of a sudden again. Right. And then and then it comes back to turning the other cheek and and yeah. blessing those who curse you and blessed are the meek and blessed but. Then it becomes nuanced again. Or, it becomes or woe to the shit. rich. Woe to or the woe rich. Woe to the rich. Then it becomes yeah. nuanced again. Yeah. You yeah. fucking idiots. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I look mean, at yourself in the fucking mirror. I mean, we all have to do that. We all have to be introspective. But yeah. this is so blatant. Yeah. It's so blatant in front of you. And you and you and you what? How much fucking drugs do you have to take to sleep at night? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um that's true, man. I, I don't uh I don't get it. I really don't. I've never understood it when it comes to the Bible. And I'm I'm getting to the point where I just, I'm so tired of fighting this battle, you know, to try to help for the longest time. Like I've been realizing, and this, maybe this will transition us a little bit into uh, the the future or or things like that. Because like for me- dystopian Black Mirror-esque future. Yeah. Yeah. So so I've been real, I realized that- I have spent 20 years at least. If I start if I just if I start the clock around the time that I started um writing articles for like emergent uh magazines like theooze.com and uh a bunch of other like relevant magazine and that kind of stuff and then I started a column at relevant and I started blogging and then I self-published some books like so it's been it's been probably easily 20 years that I've been involved in um this kind of thing and 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 what i mean is i've spent 20 years sort of fighting this right trying to reform christianity from within to say this isn't what jesus was all about the bible really doesn't say that like so i've been i've been fighting that and trying to reform that and trying to fix that i've done debates i've written blog posts i've done podcasts i've published books and everything all of it, you know, uh, I think you could boil it down and you could say that all of it has been about fighting that old way of thinking and trying to create some sort of new way of thinking. And I'm kind of done with it. So uh, the reason why is I came across, I love Socrates. Uh, I was a philosophy minor in college and I, I've always, he's my favorite um, philosopher. I love Socrates. So many great quotes from Socrates. And, and my favorite quote from Socrates is, he says, the secret to change is to focus your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And and this year, that quote really sunk in with me, and I realized like I spent twenty years fighting the old. And he, I think he, I think Socrates is right. And if if, if nothing else, even if he's not right, I think I would like to shift my gears and try to f- start building the new. And um, because, because again, I, I've been beating my head against the wall for so long. I've written so many articles. I've done debates, like I said, books and podcasts and and thousands, you know, hundreds and thousands of hours of, of stuff, of content that I've created trying to do that. And again, it's not that it's been worthless because lots of individual people have come to me and said, oh, Keith, this was great. Thank you. This helped me, blah, blah, blah. So I, I don't think that it was worthless. Everything has do, its place in time. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad I created that content and it's still out there. You can listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. you can read the blogs, you can read the books, right? 
But I'm just really excited about the possibility of like, what would, what would it look like? And I honestly don't know the answers to that. Uh, but, but what would it look like if I did start focusing my energy on building the new? In other words, like, I'm not going to try anymore to show Christians the Bible doesn't say that, or, you know, to Jesus didn't teach that. Like, um, and not that I'll never do that. I'm saying like, I just don't want that to be my main focus. Like, I would like my main focus to be, what could the new look like? Like, what what could life look like if we just forgot all that stuff and moved into something uh, like, you know, what what we think the world should be like, right? What does make sense? Mm-hmm. Instead of like just constantly complaining about stuff because it feels like it's not making a huge difference. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I think the only reason like, that's why, I mean, how long I had a follow up to Heretic written like two and a half years ago, and it's yeah. going to come out next year because I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'll just write the last couple of chapters." <laughs> yeah, but and they're good, and I put my energy into it after a couple of years, but yeah. I had to wait like a while to like put more energy back into it because there's not a lot there for me that I mm. want to say theologically yeah. anymore. Yeah, that well, I mean, you like you said, like I haven't done it as long as you. I my first blog was published in January of 2015 at the Raven Foundation. So it's been, you know, I've been published for eight, nine years or whatever. But yeah, I theologically, I've said everything I want to say, honestly, yeah. in turn, yeah. like, that's why I mean, that's why I'm, I love writing about Tolkien. And I love yeah. diving into literature and thinking about character development and why things, why stories matter, you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah. very, a really different focus where Theology then is more derivative. It's like talking about the theology of Tolkien in his world or something. Not necessarily sure. because unless I mean, I was I was watching a TikTok video today and there this guy was talking about how he's like kind of coming out agnostic and people asking him if he believes in God. And I'm like thinking the more important like if you believe in God, what kind of God do you believe in? This whole right. Like, what do you believe in is way more ma- more important than like, what what word do we put to this concept? Because our concepts are just so all over the place and they ch- they should change. Um, and so like, there's more important questions, I think, than that. I, I mean, and, if, and yeah. if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. But for me, there's more important questions on, and I don't mean the question itself is not important, but I mean, for my life now, right? it's more about like, I have more pressing questions like... You know, how do I, how do I make my community a better place? How do I, how do I interact with the people that I interact with better? Mm -hmm. How do I slow down so that I'm not, so like someone came at me the other day because I was too quick with them on the internet. I asked for like, I saw that, I saw that. (laughs) And I'm thinking like, in my mind, it's like, okay, so I, I, they're probably right. Like I could, I could spend way more time engaging people, being, being more thoughtful, and all that stuff. I, for me, it was I was just annoyed because it's like, oh, you're probably going to come at me like two years later on something. Like, There's no way I could know what this interaction was about right, to right, make, right. you know, to go die on some hill. Um, very odd. But um, in the moment, yeah, if you if you confronted me face to face, we're like, yeah, oh, my bad. Let me slow down. It's all just yeah. about slowing down. Sure. I'm not trying to be, you know, no one. I don't think anyone's trying to be malicious most, most of the time. Mm-hmm. We're just moving so fast and we're like, we're not, we're just we need to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I get excited thinking about, um, and I, this is honestly what I've been thinking about for the last couple of weeks. Um, I got this journal and I'm writing in this journal, you know, like trying to think like, okay, what would it, is it your prayer journal? No, it's not a prayer journal. It's a, it's this cool little, you know, I, and see, I, I'm an analog guy. I love like writing things down and all that stuff. So like, I'm, yeah. I'm writing I, down, like, what does it look like to build the new? Right. So, um, or what does it look like to stop fighting the old and, um, and I, and I sat down and I wrote out like what blog posts would look like, what videos I would make, what poems, what books I would write, podcasts, um, uh, episodes of Second Cup with Keith, my personal podcast coming up that I want to focus on. And, and again, like I want to be able to to imagine what that looks like to build the new, you know, and then it's super exciting to me to imagine that, like, um, because I've not spent a lot of time doing it. And I'll be honest, I, w- I was sharing with some friends of mine um, earlier this week, too as I was getting ready to think about this and I just, we have a little private Facebook group and I posted in there and I said, you know, I just want to confess I'm addicted to fighting the old. Like I've done it for so long. It's such an automatic reflex for me. And, and what I realize is 
if I really am going to stop fighting the old, then it kind of means saying no to a bunch of stuff. And it also means sort of like not reacting because so much of my, so much of this fighting the old is reactive, right? I see a meme. I see a TikTok video. I see a, I see a blog post. Um, I, I, I see something on the news and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. That's wrong. Jesus didn't say that. Oh no, that the Bible doesn't say that. Um, oh no, this isn't right. And then I have to like, quick, I have to go and sit down and write something and I got to respond, right? I've got to, I've got to weigh in on it. And so what, what I realize is that it's so easy for me to do that. Um, so much of the content that I create has been fueled by that. It kind of means dismantling that whole system and saying like, so that means, so it's so a reality, just reality. What that means is the next time I see one of these things that triggers me and pisses me off and I'm like, I just have to go, <sighs> okay. And scroll on, just move on. Like not write the blog post, not do the reaction, not create more content to, to fight that old way of thinking, but maybe instead see it, think about it, and then figure out, okay, well, how can I turn this around to something that creates the new, right? That says, okay, no, no, that's the wrong kind of noise. We don't want that. If I'm going to create something, can I create something that without referencing that, I'm not going to reference that. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to react to this thing or respond to this person. Um, to say, okay, here's what they're saying. What's the positive thing that I can say that sort of like negates that? That says, okay, but I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to react. I'm not going to prove they're wrong. Um, I like the idea of communicating these truths in ways that, like, is the things that I'm really excited about. The, the uh, These ideas of like, um, and I've talked about this a lot, right? With I get it from Thomas. I get it from quantum field theory. I get it from the mystics. They're all kind of saying the same thing about the, our, our shared humanity, our shared divinity, our, our the illusion of separation. We're all connected to one another. And I love that idea because I think it's powerful. I think it's I think it does create change in individuals as well as in you know cultures and societies if we embrace these ideas. And the beautiful thing about this is. Nothing has to be proven wrong for that to be right. I love that. Like, I don't have to spend any time proving first that something else is false so that then I can then give you this idea that we're all connected and we all have shared, humani shared humanity and all that stuff. Um, I can just say that. I can just say, this is the truth. This is reality. We are connected. We are all human race. There's just the human race. We're all connected to one another. Um, you know, these, these separation, these... Um, labels and these identities that were given at birth are false. They're they're fake. They're not real. That's not who you really are, right? Um, and they're intended to divide us and separate us from one another. Like all of those things are great. Like I I can communicate those ideas without spending any time proving something else is false or making you know something else is wrong. I can just say this is right and this is good and it has good outcomes in the end. Yeah. So excited about yeah. that. Yes, because then it's then it's then someone else's responsibility to of what they're going to do with that information. That's right. Because they're That's they're right. going to have to wrestle with that information and and run it up against their worldview and what has led them to believe what they believe now, and That's then right. they're going to have to mold that over. You you're not going to ever take away someone's worldview by proving it false necessarily. I mean, right? I mean, but I, but I, but I, hey, does that mean that there are no more Elisa Childers reaction videos on this podcast? I don't know, man. I'll be honest, that, that's really what I've realized is like, oh. <laughs> well, if I'm going to be consistent, I think that is what it means. Like, I, I don't know that I can still do that kind of stuff anymore. Or if I do, here's the thing. It's on me. Like, the challenge for me then is to, and I, I'll be honest, I just don't know how to do that. But I mean, maybe there is a way to do it in a way that doesn't buy into the proving someone wrong because again that, that that whole proving someone wrong thing is also about it's playing into the us the uh, us versus them mentality right and i think that's part of the problem this sort of like us versus them and um it's it's really hard to do if we yeah, do okay, it I, I don't know how to, to do play, it to play devil's advocate there, there does come a point where people are sharing like if we go back to last week's or you know two weeks ago our yep. episode yeah like there are people sharing a lot of harmful ideas. Oh, I totally agree. And it's and it's important to address those ideas head on. Yes. 
for the sake of people who are going to be harmed by th- those ideas. But oh, if I you totally can, agree. Um, not that you want to. St- I don't. I don't want to stop Elisa from spreading that information. Oh, I do. But, well, <laughs> if I, mean, I could, I wanna, I have, if I could, swear, I if I could push a button and make her stop doing that, I would push that button. That's a dangerous button to press, though, because now, I mean, you, I, I, you'd rather. Oh, no, you're talking about educated. censorship. Yeah, you're talking about censorship. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are certain things that should be censored by by companies and things yeah. like that. I mean, we censor all the time. Like on this, if if um, you know, a white supremacist wanted to come on our podcast, I would definitely no. censor them by saying no. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, I am, but I'm not saying that there's not a responsible conversation to be had with folks like that. It's just, yeah. this is not, I'm not that person to, to, <laughs> to have yeah. that conversation necessarily. No, but no, I, I, so I agree with you. Like, again, like I, I'm not saying that, um, those efforts to correct bad theology or correct harmful speech or the, that, the, that that's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying that right. for me, I feel like I'm coming to a right. place where I get to choose kind of like what I want to focus my energy on. And I would like to at least try to focus most of my energy on creating the new. And again, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like. But, um, and, and I think people are still doing that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? There's lots of reaction videos and things like that. Um, oh yeah, no, I get that. Not, not everything is for everyone for sure. Yeah. And there's a season for all of us all to do what we feel led to do if, if but, being but, led yeah, is the right language. Yeah. But, but having said that, uh, here's what I also realized too. Like, so, um, because again, for me personally, it means that like, I'm not going to do any more debates with people and that kind of stuff. But, but at the same time, I know that if, if today or tomorrow someone came to me and said, Hey, there's this really big scholar and he's, he believes eternal conscious torment and he wants to debate you on universal reconciliation. I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. I totally would. <laughs> So uh, I'm not I saying would, like I, never yeah. again, but I'm saying like I would, would yeah. I'm picking and choosing the things that I like, think this would be really important to me. And I think that it would be worth doing. Um, but I, but I'm in, in general, I'm not looking to do those kinds of things. I think I would like, I would like to debate someone one time, but come at it with an approach that would be like so out of left field that they wouldn't yeah. even know what to do. Exactly. Like not have any notes in front of me, not, not <laughs> scripture. If it was on, on eternal torment and just not, not be prepared in that way. Right. And, 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 but have my arguments not even really be arguments, just kind of shooting the shit be like, like my opening line is what are we talking about here? You believe this? Yeah. What are we talking about? Talking about practice? No. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about, other people where they go after after yeah. death yeah, does anybody do. know yeah exactly yeah. Well, how much suffering there is is it bodily is it just spiritual is it psychological yeah like what are we doing here like what a silly silly discussion we're having right like we could be talking about solving the climate crisis we could be talking about um you know good government policy we could be talking right. about the threat of fascism. We could be talking yeah. about white supremacy. Caring for the poor in our own community. Caring for yeah. our community, the homeless crisis, the, sure. epidemic, the fentanyl yeah. epidemic. But we're talking about the eternal suffering. We live at most 90 years on this planet. What a silly conversation. Talk about time yeah. everlasting. What does that even mean? What does what does 13 billion years even mean? That's absurd. Right. right. Yeah. And we're talking about where do you go after? I mean, just yeah. do a debate like that. Like, what the well, fuck yeah. are they going to say about that? Get then yeah. get into the Bible verse. Be like, what? Some shit was written down on some parchment a long time ago, and you're like, oh, oh my god, it's the <laughs> truth to the universe. Well, no, that of course that is the ultimate thing too, and that's why I've I really personally Can you imagine if you got like a scholar, you're getting like this big. It's gonna be tell like the one you did before. Yeah, thousands of people watching, and you just approach yeah. it like so flippant and offhand. Like, <laughs> We're talking really? about marriage in the Bible. But really? Couldn't you couldn't you marry like uh th- if you were a king like 300 women? Sure, yeah. While having concubines as long and as God was all into that. God didn't say don't do that. Yeah. God never said What are we talking that about? Was bad. Here? Who, who gives a shit what it says? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's where I'm at ultimately, right? I'm at a place where like really I personally I don't really care, right? I'm and not then, uh, No disrespect. No disrespect. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
it's just not for me. Like I'm not like for me, I, I was, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of days ago too on, on messenger. And this happens a lot. Like, you know, people will ask things like, well, do you believe this about Jesus? Or do you think that this is real? Or do you think this is, this is true? And, um, and part of me just wants to say like, well, I always want to say like, first of all, why are you asking me? Like, because again, this is my other thing about like, I, I, I personally don't want any gurus in my life. I'm not, I'm not believing something because somebody else said I should believe it or because they believe it. I'm going to believe it too. So I'll, I'll call people out on that stuff. Like, why are you asking my opinion on this? Because what, what scares me is you're asking me because, oh, if Keith says it's this, then, oh, then I'll believe that because that's what Keith said. Like that scares me. I don't want you doing that. I don't want to do that. So number one, why are you even asking me this question? Like, why does it matter what I think about anything? The question, what do you think? Like, I should ask you, what do you think? Why do you think this? Right. And, and ultimately what are the stakes? Like, Oh, what if it isn't like, so who cares? Like what's the, what's the big problem if it is this or it isn't this. Right. And this person was asking me about Jesus. And if Jesus was, um, was he a guru like all the other gurus or is he different somehow than Buddha or, you know, whoever, all these other kind of like people. And I'm like, you tell me, you know, uh, like, I guess for my thing is like, it's not like we have to pick a winner, you know, why can't you say, I, I appreciate Jesus for these things. I appreciate Rumi. I appreciate Buddha. I appreciate Socrates. I appreciate black elk. I appreciate Brene Brown. You know, like you could say, like, I don't have to pick one and say, okay, that's yeah, the one. No, no kidding. And I mean, come on. Like if, if you ask, I mean, if you're truly enlightened, Jesus, you wouldn't care if someone picks someone else. You'd be like, that's right. the, that's the least of anyone's concern. Right. <laughs> Especially when you can, like, hopefully you can objectively admit that even some of the greatest things that you like about Jesus, other people said them 400 years before he did. So it's not even like, oh, Jesus was the only person to say, uh, love your enemy or turn the other cheek or, you know, the kingdom of God is within you. Like he didn't, he's not the first person to say those things. Those, those things, people said those things before he did, uh, and in other places and other sources. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that Jesus said those things and affirmed those things, but I can also appreciate other people did do. <laughs> and why can't I appreciate them the same way? Right. Um, why does it only have to be Jesus or whoever, you know? So yeah, that, that I think is the problem. It's just ridiculous to me to think that the creator of the universe, um, just like, you know, zoom back, pull back until the earth is a tiny little speck of a dot you can barely pick out of a field of stars that are actually, those pinpricks of light are actually not stars, they're galaxies. There's just, you know, crazy how many planets and universes and the galaxies in the universe. And then say, yeah, the creator of the universe, he only spoke to people on this one little dot. And on that one little dot, he only spoke to people on this one little, you know, few hundred square miles of land. And and that's that's who that God, the creator of the universe, revealed himself to and nobody else. Come on. Really? You think that? It's just silly to me. Well, so, go, create, yeah. go create the new. Make a bigger dot. I'm, well, I'm going to try. I don't know exactly how to do that. But I'm like I said, I'm having fun it's imagining it's what it could look like. It's even worse. I care about a, a fictional world that was created <laughs> uh, in the brain of one of those people. One of those guys, dot. yeah. A dot with yeah. Which actually makes it more fun because then it's like a certain level of nihilism allows you just to, to um, like, what do I want to do? And, and like, I, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not ultimately a nihilist, but a certain amount of nihilism, I think, is like, yeah, okay, none of this shit matters. So, what yeah. do I want to do now? What do I want to fix my, fix my attention on? Yeah, it's but it's also kind of cool though to to think about how you know one one person, a single person like Tolkien can on in their own mind create an entire universe, create characters, create stories, create circumstances and situations and events that are inspiring and powerful and moving and beautiful and profound. Like that's pretty cool, you know. Oh, yeah, Talking building like, the new—that's yeah, amazing. As, as infinite out in the universe goes, it yes, seems like infinite. We can go in and then create infinite out of that. 
Yes. Now that to me is super cool. That's really yeah. exciting, you know? Um, yeah. So you I realize I there's, that. there's levels of existence. Like, yeah, I was, uh, you know, it's Christmas time. So people ask do you, you know, did you, do you believe in Santa Claus? Did you teach your kids to believe in Santa Claus? It's like, I think the yes or no is the wrong approach. Right. Like there's, there's, there's levels of, like, I, I know verifiably that Frodo doesn't exist in the way you yeah, I, I don't know. Well, okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's a stretch. I might've lied. Um, <laughs> that's where he exists. In an um, alternate but, reality, but, in a multiverse, there's some the multiverse, multiverse where there's a Frodo. Oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I know on a, on a, on a secondary level of existence, Frodo exactly. Frodo, of course, exists. Yeah. And so, like, you know, does the Easter Bunny exist? Does the Santa Claus? Well, I think you can teach your kids different levels of existence to where they they might know that an actual person doesn't come down the chimney. But in in believing in this and suspending our reality, we allow story to inspire us. Yeah. And and we can almost play make believe and believe it in that time like when i go to disneyland i believe that i'm in this universe because you can't see out of it and all that shit. sure like, yeah yeah and you don't look at your pocketbook and you, you're like fuck how the fuck are we gonna pay for this shit um <laughs> yeah you just go dollars for a hot dog fuck, jesus <laughs> they don't even serve booze oh they do now but yeah they um, do california adventure does yeah yeah but you know what i mean like you you suspend your belief so that you can believe in something else um yeah i don't know how i got on that but stone thoughts no, I love that. No, I, I see. I think that's actually to me that's part of creating the new, right? It's it's yeah. using your imagination to create a world and to tell a story that does help people. I think fiction. That's one of the things I love about fiction, is that fiction does help people imagine a different way things could be. Or and here's the other thing it does. Actually, I, I interviewed David Bentley Hart a couple of years ago, and we talked about. Name he wanted drop. to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I'm name dropping, of course. I'm, and I'm very, very uh, honored that he even decided to do this. But he wanted to talk about fiction. I was, I was trying to interview him about theology, and he was like, "I don't want to talk about that." He goes, "Let's talk about uh, literature." I'm like, "Oh, oh, what the hell? I'll talk about whatever you want." So we, we talked about literature, and and that's one of the things he said. He said that actually many pastors and theologians would be better served to read the great works of fiction, right? Read *Crime and Punishment*, read *The Brothers Karamazov*. Um, read, read Le Miserable, Le Miserable. Like when you read these other stories, he said, the thing that, the thing that's so helpful is it creates empathy in you because it, it allows you mm -hmm. to, to put yourself into the situation of somebody who's living in horrible poverty, who thinks the, the world is going to end, who doesn't have any hope for the future. Like it allows you to put yourself in the place of someone other than yourself and create empathy for other human beings that aren't like you and don't have your same experience. They don't look like you, think like you, believe like you, talk like you, any of those things. And um, and I, I agree. I think that's exactly right. That's that's the, the beauty and the power of fiction. And that's a powerful yeah. way to create the new. Um, but I think there's lots of ways we can do that, right? And I, I'm excited well, about it. To me, it's opening up a realms of possibilities of What's kind of really thing. cool about fiction too is that once you create a story, like my, I don't have an interest to write a story actually. Like I, I thought, yeah. I mean, everyone, every writer. I wish I did. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a story I'm burning that I need right. to tell yet. Me but neither. But I'd it's really to. cool that someone else created it and then we can create new by like commenting on it. Yes. So it's almost like you can, I suspend, you know, suspend my reality by writing about Tolkien's world stepping into that world as if it yeah. actually have approaching like when i write about tolkien i'm actually approaching it like an historian would yeah like that these events and that's the way tolkien wrote it he he writes these as mythologies that happened in this earth a long long time ago that's right um so it's really cool that i mean gosh what infinite that we can create just on writing these stories and coming up with these worlds and yeah um so much more interesting than just rehashing certain it almost makes like the Bible interesting to when you approach it that way as like, literature, yeah. I, as literature, you just approach it as literature and stories, and it becomes oh, then it steps into the world of Plato and Socrates and Greek philosophy and Hellenism and Roman occup, you know, politics, and yeah, it steps into that world, and then it's like oh, this shit's fascinating now. Right. So I actually, I, I came across a, a blog post that I wrote several years ago exactly about that. I said the title was um, how the Apostle Paul literally approached the Bible figuratively. And um, that he didn't take it as 
history as he, he did approach it as um, these are great stories that are helpful to us. But it, we also noticed that he, at the same time, um, you know, he would use uh, pagan poets and, and pagan uh, other pagan stories to make similar points as well. So he wasn't limiting himself to the Bible, but even when he did approach the Bible and a lot of the early church fathers did as well, they didn't, they didn't read the the Bible as this literal thing. In fact, right. That's one of the, that was one of the criticisms. Was it Irenaeus? I think it was Irenaeus who said that that was Marcion's mistake was that he read the Bible as literal, as literally true, which is why he made the, 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 the came to the conclusion that well then the God of the Old Testament can't be the same God of Jesus because he literally did these things and said these things. Yeah. They're like no 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 these are allegories you can't you read them you read them metaphorically you don't read them at face value, and yeah. so you know we're, we we've now gotten to this place where we've literalized everything. I want to say something too about what you were saying about Santa Claus because I was I just was thinking about that uh, this morning, and this might this might be controversial for some people, but. Um, I think it's similar. Like when people say, you know, um, you know, do you believe that Jesus actually existed? Right. And I know a lot of atheists will come at it or skeptics, agnostics will come at that question. Like, did Jesus even exist? Right. And my whole thing is like, well, look, I agree with Bart Ehrman, who's an avowed atheist, but also historian and a scholar who says there is so much evidence that there was a historical Jesus of Nazareth. He did exist. Now that doesn't mean, and he doesn't believe that doesn't mean that when you when you affirm Every claim, right? Yeah, that Jesus actually was a real human person in history. It doesn't mean he walked on water. It doesn't mean he's the second person of the Trinity. It doesn't mean he ascended into heaven. It, it just means he existed, right? Those other things, those sort of legends and stories about him, those can be approached separately from whether or not Jesus existed. And and the same thing could be said of Santa Claus, right? I could say, you know, did Santa Claus exist? Yes. Absolutely. There was a historical St. Nicholas that he actually did exist. And, and there is actually people. A, he punched people. Yes. <laughs> who didn't agree with his theology, but there, there is a, even, I don't know if this is hundred percent verified or if it's a legend, but I did, I did study this a couple years ago, but, um, that St. Nicholas actually did give like gifts to orphans and, and people like orphanages and he would buy gifts anonymously and lead them at orphanages and things like that. And that's kind of where the gift giving they're saying. And, that's, anyway, the, that's, and that's how the legend grows. Is that? I guess so. Of, yeah. But, um, so, so in other words, you could affirm, you know, is, is St. Nicholas a real person? Was Santa Claus a real person? Yes. And, and you can say, you can affirm there really was a St. Nicholas. Now, does that mean I believe he flies around the, you know, the world uh, once a year being drawn by flying reindeer? No, <laughs> that doesn't mean that there's a legend associated to a historic person. Parents have your kids leave the room. If your kids haven't left the room by now, (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming they're old enough to know uh, that their Santa Claus, sorry, isn't... isn't, uh, Yeah, no, that's a cool point. I mean, what are we even talking about by believe? Like... Yes. People will always do that. Oh, so you believe that Jesus walked. Well, that's a theological. Now we're, now we're saying like a theological thing. Like, right. He had to be some sort of moonwalking or water walking, you know, deity. Yeah. Um, and maybe we can do a podcast good. on that coming up. Cause I got, I, I'm curious, uh, like how, cause I've changed my view on miracles and things like that, uh, about Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm moving away from mm. this mystical, magical Jesus. Um, I think a lot of those stories were embellished. Again, we know for a fact those a lot of those stories in the Gospels came decades later, um, and probably yeah. were you know probably weren't even meant to be taken literally, but were more meant to be like stories to illustrate how Jesus was, you know, uh, spiritually beyond you know most of us. Like he, this is how holy he was. This is how how wise he was, how godly he was and telling these stories to sort of like illustrate that not, but not saying, Oh, he literally did these things. I have no reason to believe he did. Yeah. I I doubt a lot of that. I mean, why would I believe that what one guy did in that sort of like superhero kind of way, miracle stuff? Why, why would that story about that guy from 2000 years ago be more valid than all the other, like, wild yeah. and wacky miracle things that I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but. Well, some um, things I think are like, so again, like, you know, I, I notice it again, apologies to my Muslim friends, but when I, when I hear that, you know, Muslims believe that, uh, Muhammad flew into heaven on his horse, I laugh. I'm like, 
you believe that? You really believe that? But then I stop and go, wait a minute. I used to believe that Jesus floated up into heaven without a horse. I mean, at least- Without a horse, you know, at least. Well, well, wouldn't, a horse peg- wouldn't it be a Pegasus, though? Uh, I don't know if the horse could fly or if it just was Jesus. teleported with him. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like when you start- no. What, so in other words, when you're when you're critical of and skeptical about miraculous parts of stories from other religions than your own, just carry that oh, same yeah, skepticism right. into your own religion and say, uh, yeah, if I reject I always, this, is like is incredible. Why do I accept in my religion? Oh, of course that happened, right? I I have always had the opposite way, which is why I think I don't get along with or people have thought that you know I'm anti-Christian. I've had this discussion with my mom, and I know we're a little short on time, so I'll keep it quick, but. You know, why Why do you go so hard on Christians? Because it's my own. Like if you're... That's right. I'll use a football analogy. Like if you're at halftime and you don't go to the other team's locker room and tell them all the shit that they're doing wrong. Right. Exactly. You go talk to your... Like what the fuck are we <laughs> doing here, guys? Yes. You go to your own team. Like this is my own house that I'm from. Like right. I'm not going to... Like I'm trying... This is sweeping off my own porch. This right. is... Sometimes it's not easy to like, hey, you guys got to fucking clean some shit too. <laughs> you know, right. you don't go to your neighbor and be like, fix your fence. Uh, <laughs> come on. Or, like, we, yeah. Or another analogy would be you don't play football for like most of your life and then all of a sudden decide to be a commentator for hockey. Like, right. what? Yeah, that's a good one. No, no, I, I mean, love all the mixed analogies here. Right. So like, that'd be the same thing. Like I've been, I've been a Christian most of my life. I grew up in Christianity. I'm not all of a sudden going to become critical of being a Sufi. Uh, like, what would I know about that? Here's like, what, what Sufism I... gets wrong. <laughs> what the then you're offensive and an asshole. Like, you're not going right. to hear me. What do I know oh, about that, right? Yeah. I just read exactly. a book about it, or I, I saw a blog exactly. post, and now I can tell you what's wrong. Yeah. yeah and now, we're, I think it sounds like we're both to the point where we are free agents. I, I would say I'm a free agent, yes. <laughs> I, got, uh, I got no team to criticize, and I and I got no interest. Maybe I'm retired. I don't know. <laughs> like Tom Brady. <laughs> That time retired and then not right. I'm, no, I'm definitely retired from Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So anyway, I guess recap. 2023 was was good. You know, some concerning things. Uh, next year, some. lots of good things coming. We didn't even talk about really. There's lots of great things coming from choir. We we'll do. just say that in we general. Um, I, I am working on. We've I've already gotten like a bunch of books done. I'm working on like nine books, not my own. Of uh, uh, some fucking really good books coming up. So. One of them's mine. So who? <laughs> I think I think you're working on the uh, the quantum yeah, sayings of Jesus. Yeah, the quantum sayings. Here, all this shit we talk, and then you're you're gonna have a book about Jesus. <laughs> well, it's about Thomas. It's about the Gospel of Thomas. Thomas. No, I think that'll be cool. Very you're different. Getting all, you're getting all gnostic. Yeah. Well, not really gnostic. Okay. Thomas isn't really a gnostic gospel. It's technically not even a gospel because oh, it's just a bunch see, of sayings. Look at you. Now you're gonna. Now you're the Thomas. You're gonna sound like me talking about Tolkien. Well, actually. Well, actually. Well, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening, Keith. Yeah. Thank you for this is our second year of doing this. Can you believe that we wrapped? I up two actually, years. it is it really our second yeah. year? Wow. Yeah, we've done we've done this show for two years. You and I. That's cool. It's been fun. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's been something. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for all the readings and reviews that I've seen on there. There there have been some. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. That. And we'll see you in 2024. And um, yeah, when the Civil War hits, we are. Uh, recruiting for our faction. That's right. I'll be in Mexico. And I will be somewhere growing pot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.